0: It is a privilege and uh, it's just great to be here with you you know, we really didn't plan on, on uh, preaching just came to be able to visit and be with y'all this evening and I appreciate your pastors for allowing me to be up here and to share our ministry as you know there's a couple of things in there said so, well we have shared with you before at the end thank you for your faithful came back on this short furlough to visit several of those but it's always a privilege to be able to bring God's Word and that's what I want to do tonight if you'll turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 3 Ezekiel chapter 3 I do remember that place he's talking about I wish I was good with names I'd tell you the name of that Akshupata you're right Akshupata yeah we were at the house he's talking about we traveled back over an area to where we parked our truck in a field to get to the house where we were invited to come where there was a group meeting there and when we parked the truck and got out we literally had to use the gas lantern we had to get to find the house and be guided by somebody to even find it because it was so dark out there and uh, when we finished our little meeting uh, we came back outside and we couldn't see the truck so again we had to be guided back to where the truck was it was so dark out there now inside the house just very quickly tell you this little story it was interesting and uh, you may have heard from them about uh, how uh, we at guinea pig in prune I say we my wife will say no only you but uh, <laughs> Uh, the Peruvians eat guinea pig and I ate it along with them, but uh, my wife's not crazy about it. But anyway, the way it started was, uh, guinea pig is very popular in that country, but the way it started is because of the poor people. They couldn't go and, and kill like a cow or a pig and just you know cut it up and say, we're gonna have some uh, sausage this afternoon. So they would have to do it when the whole community was ready to do something like that, uh, because they had no refrigeration. So what the, uh, the women would do is they would have guinea pigs and rabbits just running loose on their floors in their houses because all dirt floors out there and when the wife decides well it's time for us to have some protein she reaches down and gets one of them dresses it and that's what they have uh, for supper uh, but now in any restaurant if you want to order it down there it's expensive you can still get it real cheap while you're out there off their floor but it's expensive in a restaurant so yes that was a, a deer. Uh, memory that you were sharing there, and I appreciate that because it reminded me of it that we stood in a little room that the roof was like this high over our heads hung a gas lantern and stood there preaching and, and teaching them from that week after week and it was a blessing Ezekiel chapter 3 that's where we're at in the Old Testament uh, we read where God sent prophets you know to warn Jerusalem of their destruction because of their, uh, their failure to repent of their sins and in the book of Ezekiel we find one of those prophets who was also A priest. Now, Ezekiel was just one man. But Ezekiel was one man in a large group of people who were captured by the armies of King Nebuchadnezzar and taken to Babylon, if you remember that story. Let's start in verse 16. Ezekiel chapter 3 and verse 16. By the way, uh, Brother Shane, you didn't say when I was supposed to stop, but normally services stop at 8, right? Around 8 o'clock. Well, that's good because I'm on Peru time. We're an hour behind you. All right. And it came to pass, verse 16, and it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. Now, back when I was in seminary, and as you can tell from the color of my hair that uh, that was a few years ago, but back when I was in seminary, I had a, a family that, and uh, I had to work to make ends meet while I was in school. And since my background was in law enforcement in Georgia, again, don't throw rocks, um, I found a job as a head of security at a plant there. And while I was working there, I was uh, the supervisor. I had several people working with me and I had to make sure that they uh, carried out their duties as watchmen and taking care of what they were supposed to do. But I have to say, I was amazed at the attitudes of some of those people that I worked with. I actually, as the the boss, I had to fire several people in the short time that I was there, and that's because I had people constantly coming in late. I found them sleeping on the job. There were some that actually were drinking and then coming into work, and we know that don't work, and a few other problems. Uh, But anyway, they just weren't taking their job seriously as watchmen they failed to see that their job was important. Even though it wasn't that hard, it was very important to keep some people from some dangerous situations. In verse 17 of today's scripture, God called Ezekiel to be a watchman for Judah. And he instructed him to give them a warning. And tonight as we read, I'd like for us to see the serious duty of the watchman. The serious duty... Of the watchman. Now, the first part of his duty was the charge that we see here that was given to him by God. Back at the end of verse 17 again, I want you to uh, hear a couple of special words in here. And the first one is exactly that. Therefore, hear. Hear the word at my mouth, God's mouth, and give them warning from me. You see, God didn't want any confusion in the message, <clears throat> excuse me, that the watchman was delivered. he didn't want anything added he didn't want anything taken away from it he said this is what i want you to tell him this and no more and so that's what he needed to do so for the watchman to fulfill his duty he first had to look directly to god he had to listen to what god was saying to him and then he had to take that and faithfully deliver that message and nothing else and as christians tonight we know that we are God's watchman amen we are God's watchman Mark 16 15 commands us each one of us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature so we know we are all required to look to God we're all required to listen to God's Word and we're all required to deliver that message to all that we can this isn't just for pastors and missionaries this is for all of us. we're all called to go out there and that watchman now we've seen the watchman's charge. Let's look at the next part of it where, where we're talking about the watchman's warning. The watchman's warning, which came in two parts. And there's a reason for that, that I'll show you. You see, God told Ezekiel at the end of verse 17 to warn the people of Judah and Jerusalem. But the warning wasn't just to them. It also applied to the prophet himself. Look at verse 18. When I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him Not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life. The same wicked man shall die in his iniquity. Notice that next word. But his blood will I require at thine hand. Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Look at verse 20. Again. When a righteous man, and here we're talking about self-righteousness, when a righteous man doth turn from his righteousness and commit iniquity and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. Because thou hast not given him warning, he shall die in his sin. And his righteousness, which he hath done, shall not be remembered. But his blood will I require at thine hand. You see, part one of the warning. Ezekiel was warned not to take his ministry lightly, not to take his duties as a watchman lightly. See, there are consequences for disobedience in witnessing, not witnessing. There's disobedience in, in not sharing the word of God. And, and we see this, and, and as Christians, we're going to be judged at the judgment seat of Christ one day uh, for what, not only what we did do, but for what we didn't do. Not only for our, our disobedience, but also our obedience. To God's word and we don't want to stand before God with blood on our hands because we didn't do what he asked us to do we didn't go out and warn the people of God's judgment that is coming so I want us to ask ourselves a hard question tonight why not you just think about this of course I don't want any hands because mine would have to go up first will anyone be in hell because you did not share the gospel with them when God put them on your heart. Think about that for just a moment. Now, you know, I'm guilty of it, I know. Sometimes we feel like we're just in too big a hurry. We feel like we, we should talk with that person. But, you know, I just don't have the time right now. or you know, It'd be a little embarrassing right here. And sometimes we pass up opportunities to share the gospel with someone for that reason. And those people's blood will be on our hands if they do not get saved before they die. Folks, we need to make a commitment today to be the watchman that God has called each and every one of us to be. Now, part two of the warning. Ezekiel, of course, received his part, but Ezekiel had to warn both believers and non-believers to repent of sin or suffer the consequences. Now, sadly, many didn't, and we know Jerusalem was destroyed. I'm sure many believers or non-believers uh, ignored that warning, and they went to an eternity in hell. And I'm sure they mocked Ezekiel. Just like we hear when we try to witness to somebody, they probably say, oh, let me live my life the way I want to. You don't worry about me. And some others, you know, they'll say that famous line, don't judge me, taking it out of context in the Word of God. Many believers probably thought, you know, I hear all this, but it probably won't happen in my lifetime. I mean, you know, that's, that's for some time in the future. So they thought they'd live just as close to the world as they could for as long as they were in this world but can you imagine the surprise and the fear that fell on those people when God took them before they had a chance to repent of their sin I'm talking about believers and I know as believers we cannot lose our salvation but we can lose rewards here and in heaven so we need to be very careful about that now a person's life can even be cut short if we remain in rebellion and we can be taken from this life a lot quicker than we should now, when a believer stands at Christ's judgment seat, folks, let me just say, if a person just lives their life just pleasing themselves, doing what they wanted to here, yet they, they feel like, well, I've got my fire insurance. I've gotten in the door. I'm going to heaven, but I'm just going to live the way I want to now. One day they'll stand before God, and there's going to be a lot of shame, a lot of tears, but there's one thing that will not be in heaven, and that's excuses. You can't have an excuse before an all-knowing God. So there are no excuses that will work up there. Now, for the rest of this message, I want us to turn over to chapter 33. Chapter 33. You see, chapter 3 was a warning of the coming destruction. But as we know, in, uh, in chapter 3, there was the warning of that coming destruction. Chapter 33, this is a renewal. A renewal of Ezekiel's call to be a watchman. And it's sent after Jerusalem was, to, uh, was destroyed. I want you to think about this just for a moment and kind of think about that compared to your pastor. Can you imagine how Ezekiel had to have felt? He preached to so many people, warning them of the danger that was coming, warning them that they were going to die if they didn't repent of their sin. And yet he had to watch people turn their backs on God and be destroyed. Just like a pastor that stands in a church and he preaches his heart out. He studies the word of God so that he can give you the message. He feels like God is placed on his heart and he gives you that message. And then you turn around and you walk out the door of that church and it's behind you. And pastors and preachers watch people do this all the time. They walk out the door of the church and they live the way they want to. It breaks a pastor's heart. Can you imagine how Ezekiel had to have felt? So many people today say, Oh, live and let live. What I do doesn't affect anybody else. But let me tell you, Ezekiel didn't believe that. You see, Ezekiel was suffering for the sins of those other people out there. And it was him that God called not only once, but twice to go and tell them that they need to repent. So if anybody uh, would be tempted to pull a Jonah and say, God, just go ahead and destroy him. It's all right. Just do it. It would be Jonah. Uh, Excuse me. It would be Ezekiel because Ezekiel. Had already preached to them and they just chose to walk away from him but now he's warning them again those who live through the destruction and he's warning them to repent of their sins and to live right before God again in in chapter 3 the warning was primarily to turn from sin he told his prophet go tell them to turn from their sin or they'll be destroyed but since they didn't the first time what we see here is the warning begins with instruction for them to listen to the watchman. He's now focusing on, on Ezekiel. He's saying, listen to this man. I'm sending him to you. Not only do I want you to listen to him, but I want you to, to heed what he's saying. And I want you to do what he says. So that's what Ezekiel was called to do here. And if you look at with me in verse 1 of Ezekiel chapter 33, we're going to see just that. God tells him, listen, trust, and act accordingly. It says, again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people and say unto them, When I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of the land take a man of their coast and set him for their watchman, if when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people, then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. You see, he heard the sound of the trumpet. And took not warning his blood shall be upon him but he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul now let's see a third part here we're going to see the watchman's dilemma the watchman's dilemma just like many of us know even though we do our job as watchmen even though we're out there and we're trying to share the Word of God we know that there are some out there who are going to doubt what we're saying they're going to doubt that warning no matter what we say there's some out there that come up with excuses for not following God there's some out there that just absolutely refuse to believe it doesn't matter what you tell them. and there's others out there and I know you know these they say I'm good enough you know I yeah I'm fine I'm fine I can get to heaven on my own look at verse 10 let's start here therefore O thou son of man speak unto the house of Israel thus ye speak, saying if our transgressions and our sins be upon us and we pine away in them how should We then live. They kept saying, if our sins are so bad, what hope do we have? So the first part of the watchman's dilemma was apathy and sarcasm. You see, after hearing that serious warning from Ezekiel, some wanted to make it sound like it was a hopeless cause and that God wouldn't really forgive them. They wanted to throw the warning back in Ezekiel's face and they wanted to continue to live in their sin and use that as an excuse. And today we have people who do the same thing. They are so unwilling to repent, and they try to blame it on God. That's their excuse. But God gave them their answer in verse 11. You see, there are some people that want to say that, oh, I've sinned so much, and there's no way God would forgive me. But I want you to listen to this. Say unto them, as I live, said the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will ye die, O house of Israel? Do you hear? God is pleading with them to repent. He's not waiting for somebody to mess up so he can just zap them and get rid of them because they're some of the meanest people out there. He's saying, I want you, the wicked, to turn and come to me. Now look at the end of verse 11 where it says, Turn ye from your evil ways, for why will you die? He was asking them this question that I believe we could ask many people when we're witnessing to them and they may give you excuses and say, well, I want to hang on to some sin for a while. What sin is so good that it is worth an eternity in hell? You ever thought about that? When somebody says, you know, I, I want to continue living the way I am for right now, ask them that. What sin is so good that you'd rather go to hell so that you can stay here and do that? I can't tell you how many times I've witnessed to someone and have them give me some excuse like that. Oh, I, you know, I, I want to continue living the way I am. I'm having too much fun right now. There's one such young man and, uh, engaged to a young lady that used to be in our church. She grew up, uh, saved in our church. She grew up, went to Lima, got a job down there. And she came back one day to visit, and she had this young man with her. And she said that they were engaged and said, Listen, he's not saved. Would you please speak to him? Well, the first thing I told her was how she shouldn't have even been dating him because uh, he wasn't saved and she was. Uh, but uh, after talking to her about that, then I, I spoke with the young man. But speaking with him for a little while, he refused to accept Christ that day. And I want to share just a little bit of that with you. You see, I asked him why. He said, Well, Pastor, I'm, I'm about to get married. And we're gonna have a reception and at the reception you see I want to drink I want to party I want to dance don't you think about that young man if he doesn't repent and he hasn't yet I know who he is and I know he hasn't repented yet as a matter of fact he's drawn his wife away from God one day he's gonna stand before God at the judgment and he's standing there and he's about to be thrown into the lake of fire where he's gonna burn eternity and God will look at him and ask him why did you reject my son I sent him down there and 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 he was cruelly beaten he was spit on he was mocked he was hung on that tree so that you didn't have to go to hell why did you reject my son can you imagine him standing there with his head held low He, he can't lie I wanted to drink I wanted to dance. I wanted to party. Can you imagine as those words come out of his mouth a second time how he realizes just how stupid those excuses are for spending an eternity in hell. Hebrews 2.3 says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? How many people do we know like that? If we do know somebody like that, let me just ask you this. Do you have a burden for them? Do you have a burden that's strong enough that it would get you out of your comfort zone to go and tell them, to go and do our watchman's duty and warn them of the danger that is coming to them? We need to think about that tonight. Second part of the watchman's dilemma, self-righteousness. Again, we spoke of this. One of those excuses that unbelievers use is that, you know, they're okay. I mean, they don't smoke, cuss drink you know they don't steal they give to charities things like that I want to tell you God's idea of righteousness is not the same as this world's look with me at verse 12 therefore thou son of man say unto the children of thy people the righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him in the day of his transgression as for the wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall thereby in the day that he turneth from his wickedness. Neither shall the righteous be able to live for his righteousness in the day that he sinneth. When I shall say to the righteous that he shall surely live, if he trust to his own righteousness and commit iniquity, all his righteousnesses shall not be remembered. But for his iniquity that he hath committed, he shall die for it. You say, oh, well, I've lived a good life. Well, that's nice. But God says your righteousness is like a filthy rag. We can live our entire life with good morals, but that's not going to get us into heaven. It's not going to keep us out of hell. Verse 16 speaks of a wicked man that repents. A wicked man. Think of the worst person you've ever met in your life. Somebody, I, you may have seen him on TV that killed many people. Think of the most wicked person that you could think of. But look at verse 16. If he repents, none of his sins that he hath committed shall be mentioned unto him. You see, they're forgiven, they're forgotten, and they are cast, as far as the east is, from the west. Now let's look at the third part of the Watchman's Dilemma. Complaining. Pastors, I know that you've never heard any of this. Complaining. You see, there are some people who would say God's not fair. Look at verse 17. Yet the children of thy people say, The way of the Lord is not equal. But as for them, their way is not equal. You see, God's ways are so much higher and better than our ways. And his thoughts are so much more profound than ours. And, and, but because God doesn't do the things the way we want them done, a lot of people want to take that as an excuse and say, you know, he, he's just not doing it. I prayed and asked him to do it. He's not doing what I want. And they use that as an excuse not to serve God. That's the same kind of people that you'll find arguing over the most obscure details in the Bible to try to find some excuse not to serve him. But I want you to hold your finger right there if you would and turn with me to 2 Peter 3:16. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 16. 2 Peter chapter 3 in verse 16. As also in all his epistles speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to be understood you see god realized that there was things in his word that at first glance we're not going to understand it we've got sometimes study ever thought of that we need to study god's word he says i know that some things are hard to be understood which they that are unlearned those that are unstable wishy-washy rest and that word rest means to pervert or distort they twist god's word as they do also the other scriptures and look what it says Unto their own destruction You see they want to try to find Any reason, any excuse Not to follow God And they, they dig in there and they say well, But this verse here says this And I just don't think he really meant that Unto their own destruction Now turn with me back over to Ezekiel 33 In verse 20 Yet ye say The way of the Lord is not equal O ye house of Israel I will judge you Every one after his ways. This tells us that God is going to judge us individually. Whether we spend eternity in heaven or hell will be determined by each individual's unrepented sin. It's not going to depend on who you knew, where you went to church. It's not going to depend on, on, on if your mom and daddy was saved. It's your sin. Now we come to the fourth part of the watchman's dilemma and that's arrogance and ignorance. Look at this, verse 24. Son of man, they that inhabit those wastes of the land of Israel speak, saying, Abraham was one and he inherited the land, but we are many. The land is given us for inheritance. The land was given us for inheritance. You see, in these verses, we see those who watched God's mighty hand destroy Jerusalem for their unrepented sin. They saw just how much God hated sin. They personally chose to stay in their own sin, and yet they still feel that God owes them something. But I want you to look at God's answer in verse 25. Wherefore say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Ye eat with the blood, and lift up your eyes towards your idols, and shed blood, and shall ye possess the land. Ye stand upon your sword, ye work abomination and ye defile every one his neighbor's wife, and shall ye possess the land? You see, God's answer was pretty clear here. He pointed out how, how deep their sin was, and he asked, do you really think you're going to get anything from me? Look at verse 27. Say thou thus unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, as I live, surely they that are in the waste, the waste was in the destroyed city there, they shall fall by the sword, and, and him that is in the open field will I give to the beast to be devoured, and they that be in the forts and in the caves shall die of the pestilence. You see, God owes nothing to no one. Not one thing. Anybody who thinks that they're worthy of any of God's blessing is just fooling themselves. You know that it's only by God's grace That we have anything this side of heaven? It's only by His grace. And yet there are many that think they can live as they want to and expect to go to heaven. They say, you know, God's a God of love. He wouldn't send anybody to hell. Anybody that says that is ignorant of God's word because they've never read it. They're ignorant of of God's warnings that He gives us daily in His word. They're, They're ignorant of God's holiness. God is a God of love. But what God says is what God means. What he says in his word is what he means. Let me give you an example, John three eighteen. You may just want to make, make a note, but I'll just go ahead and read it. John three eighteen says, He that believeth on him, Jesus Christ, is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Why? Because he is not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And there is a period right there. He didn't leave it open with a comma or a dot, dot, dot where we could add on whatever we wanted to it. He said, this is how you come to be in heaven with me. And that's the only way. But too many people want to add or or twist and try to change that. Yeah, but I can live good. Let's look at the fifth part of the watchman's dilemma. Lip service. Lip service, but no action. Verse 30. Also thou son of man... The children of thy people still are talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the houses. And speak one to another, every one to his brother, saying, Come, I pray you, and hear what is the word that cometh forth from the Lord. Now, if you read that very quickly, it kind of sounds pretty good. Any pastor would love to hear, oh, man, are, are out there. they're in the streets, they're in the houses, and they're saying, Hey, y'all, come over to my church. I want you to listen to what's going on. But too many times the next two verses are really the norm of what they're saying here. Verse 31. And they come unto thee as the people cometh. What's this saying? They came into church just like you did tonight. Same doors. And they sit before thee as my people. They came in, they, they were cleaned up well, and they sat here and they looked like Christians. They even said amen every now and then. You know, they, they sounded kind of like Christians. And it says, and they hear thy words. They sat there and listened to the message, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. They want to live the way they want to. And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that hath a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. For they hear thy words, but they do them not. How many people attend churches because the pastor is an entertaining preacher? How many times have you ever heard somebody, you need to come over and visit our church. Man, our pastor, he's just so lively. and, and he, I mean, they're entertained by what he's doing, many of them. How many people go to hear these famous preachers? They want to check it off their bucket list. I listened to this one. I went over here and I heard this one at this conference. And I went over here and I heard this one over here. Let me tell you something about people. This is a fact I learned many years ago. While Billy Graham was in a town having these huge, huge campaigns, Tens of thousands of uh, people would fill these stadiums. And then many of them would come down front and, and make professions of faith. And that's wonderful. But when he left the town, and this was a majority of the times, they say, the attendance in the local churches around the area would go down for a while afterwards. Why? Well, they got what they wanted. They felt like they were filled up for a little bit. They don't need church, I guess, for a little while. What I'm trying to say is the church can be full of people who will politely listen. They come and sit down in the air conditioning. They may compliment the pastor, you know, that the, on his preaching style. Every now and then they may even get excited, raise their hand, or say amen. They may even uh, say they enjoyed the sermon. And I know what they mean when they say they enjoyed the sermon, but too many of them, that's exactly what they do. They just enjoyed the sermon, that's it. See, people walk out the doors of the church and they live their lives as if they just watched a good movie. Entertained but unchanged. Entertained but unchanged. People are choosing their churches the way that they do their politicians, you know. Which one can give me the most? Who who will give me the best? I mean, people are are church hopping trying to find the best, you know, the, the best of this and the best of that. If I can find the right package, that's the church I'm going to. There are too many people that are choosing churches that tell them what they want to hear. Churches that have stages instead of pulpits. Videos instead of preaching and they have colored lights and smoke machines. You know what I'm talking about. But I want to say tonight, the measure of a good church shouldn't be that. The measure of a good church should be this. Do they warn the people of the danger to come? Do they tell them how to avoid that danger? Do they not only tell them what God's word says, but do they live it themselves? And do they train others to duplicate that type of ministry? Our final part in this message is the watchman's vindication. Kind of sad. Look with me in Ezekiel 33, verse 33. And when this cometh to pass, notice in parentheses, it emphasizes, lo, it will come. If God said it, it's coming. That's all there is to it. Then shall they know that a prophet hath been among them. This verse is referring to all the prophecy that Ezekiel had revealed to him, everything God told him to say, all of his words, all of his warnings. And we saw that many didn't want to hear it. They had excuses. They were apathetic. They were arrogant to him. All those different things that we read. There was no change in their hearts after all of that preaching. They chose to remain in their sins. Let me tell you, it's just like we see today. There are many that want to take their chances. that, That preacher is just up there preaching. That's what we pay him to do. He preaches. We come in and he preaches out of that book. They are so used to what we are so blessed with, and that is the word of God in our hands, that they believe it's just something commonplace. And they want to believe that that preachers is just, just doing his job up there, and they choose to remain in their sin. But folks, for too many, they're not going to see it until it's too late. Then they're going to realize that the man of God was sent to them, just like a pastor placed in a pulpit was sent for a purpose from God to preach and teach the word of God. And those people are going to realize they should have listened. But it will be too late. last verse of scripture that I want to go to tonight is Proverbs 1. I want you to hear God's warning here. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 24. We'll start there. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 24 I <clears throat> want you to listen very carefully to this because this is straight from God and I wouldn't doubt that part of this is happening right now as you think about our world around us because I have called and ye refused I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded but ye have said it not all my counsel And would none of my reproof, listen, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish cometh upon you. Does this sound like 2020 pretty much? Then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Even over there in Peru, we've been trying to keep up as much as we can with what's been going on in this world. And it has tore my heart up to watch my country being torn apart the way that it is. People turning so far away from God, nothing matters anymore. And I would have... No doubt, if God would say, yeah, that's happening right now, he may be laughing at some of them because he's given them so many opportunities to turn from their sin. And yet they continue to say, no, no, turn us loose, let us do what we want. I will mock when your fear cometh. Let me tell you something. As a watchman tonight, I want to let everybody know here, there is a day of reckoning coming, and I believe it's very soon. God's given us his book. Got his words in it, so we've received his words. We're hearing his warnings. He gave us his son so that not one soul has to die and go to hell. And he warns us as Christians to be faithful so that we don't lose rewards both here and, and in heaven. He's given us ample opportunity to change, and I say it again He is coming again, and I believe it is very soon. I've heard that all of my life, but I see so many of the signs of the times telling me it can't be much longer My question to you tonight is are you ready will you be found faithfully serving God faithfully serving God you know a lot of people come into a church and they get excited and they oh I'll help out here I'll help out there I'll I'll do something over here but then they just kind of after a while slide back and they decide they've done enough for a while I realized a long time ago if we're gonna be found faithful the only way to do that is to always faithful you ever left your kids of you that have kids have you ever left your kids at home Shane I know this of you because I've seen them you leave your kids at home and you tell them all right you can do this but do not be doing this stay away from this don't do this and over oh, the first five minutes they are faithful but if you come back a little bit later you're not gonna find them faithful sorry kids but it's the truth you're not gonna find them faithful an hour later because they get comfortable mom and dad's gone and it's the same God is coming back Jesus is coming back one day and if we're gonna be found faithful the only way to do it is to be doing something every single day for him finding our place plugging in doing what we need to do to serve God there is something for each one of us to do and we need to be praying and asking God what can I do to serve what can I do to help out in the ministries of my local church what can I do for you God just Just pray and ask him, what can I do? And then step up and do it. Folks, he's given us ample opportunity. Are we going to be ready? Now, if you're saved, let me ask you this. Are you going to suffer loss because of your lack of service? Is that going to cost you an eternity? It would be kind of shameful to show up there and say, well, I know you gave me all those opportunities, but I never did anything. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, maybe you're like that young man who just wanted to party. Let me ask you. Is it going to be worth it? Whatever sin you're hanging on to, is that going to be worth it? To spend an eternity in hell? Verse 11 said, why will ye die? What foolish reason is there that you would deny such a salvation and spend an eternity in hell? What will be your response to this watchman's cry tonight? If you're a saved person, let me ask you, will you serve God with all of your heart? Will you... Use your time and your talents for Him. Find a place and do something for God. And if you're here again, if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, turn from your sin tonight and accept Him as your Savior. Don't walk out the doors of this church like some of these we read about and walk out just entertained tonight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I know that there are decisions that need to be made in each heart. Because, Lord, I know that every time I read your word, there's things that I realize that I'm failing in. And, Lord, as we do this tonight, as we bow our heads before you, I pray that you would reveal anything in my own heart. And I pray that everyone here will ask the same question. Lord, is there something in my life that I need to change? Lord, is there something you want me to do to serve you? Lord, give me the strength to do it. Father, I pray for everyone here tonight that they will be found faithful serving you when that time comes. Until that time, Lord, help us each one to constantly be aware of the danger that's coming if we don't. And, Lord, help us to live our lives to glorify you. I thank you for the opportunity to preach your word tonight, Lord. I thank you for your word that we can trust in. It, not me, not my words, but your words. Father, I thank you for these pastors that are here and the ministry that you've blessed for so long. pray that you continue to bless it Bless the families here in Jesus name I pray. Amen.
1: As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and eyes closed, the piano is playing, the altar is open. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, you've not put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, why not do that tonight? I think probably most of us are saved. I think probably the majority of us here are saved, but Maybe there's one that, that would say, well, I'm not for sure if I'm saved, or I'm not, I've not been saved, or I've not been born again. Listen, don't put it off. You can be saved tonight. We'll be happy to show you. Nobody here, everybody in this room would be happy if you were to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. Christian, maybe you're here tonight, and, and you're saying, man, I've got a little bit lax in warning people. I've got a little bit lax about being faithful, my service to the Lord. Now's the time to regain that ground. Now's the time to ask the Lord to help you confess it. Get it squared away with the Lord. I think the message was clear this evening. Be sensitive to the Lord in your heart. Piano's playing. Thank you brother Don for that appreciate